Welcome to Aligned and Ambitious Radio. I'm your host, Taylor Slanko, business coach, entrepreneur, dog mom to Marley, and iced coffee obsessed. I help women build businesses that give them total freedom with their time and money without sacrificing the things that are important to them. I was able to scale my business and brand well beyond six figures in sales my first year because I was focused on staying aligned and ambitious. I did things my own way, I wrote my own rules, and I believe your business is your playground. There's no one strategy, one size, or one way to build the business of your dreams. Through this podcast, I'm committed to peeling back the curtain and sharing the behind the scenes of my own business. So we'll talk about everything from mindset to strategies to marketing, and of course, how to make more money. I'm so happy you're here. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Hello. Happy Monday. Today, I wanted to talk about just building keys to a six-figure foundation, regardless of where you are. If you're just that close to being at that point for this year, or if you know that it's still the beginning of the year, you want to work your way up towards it. If you know that next year is going to be that year for you, and this is like the Kickstarter year, honestly, it's going to be a lot of takeaways for no matter what level you're at. Because the thing is, the more you can start applying these things more earlier on, the better it's going to be. So a lot of these things, even though we grew super fast, a lot of these things we didn't implement until we were kind of at the crossroad of like, oh shit, we need to make some changes. And that's why I wanted to, I'm excited. I have a long list of things I'm looking at that I want to talk about. So let's talk about scaling. Let's talk about building a six-figure foundation. I want to first start by saying this for everyone at every level it is really important to treat your business like a business from the very beginning. And what I mean by that is you might not feel like showing up every day, but if you are in those scaling and building phases, you know, I'm all about alignment right there. So obviously not you know, there's a balance of not forcing things, but also if you're going to build a business, there are going to be days where you have to show up and get things done for the company and the bigger vision. And you're going to have to put your CEO pants on and treat your business like it's a business, meaning tracking your numbers, even if you're only making a sale or two a month, but knowing what's coming in, knowing what's coming up, knowing what your launch plan is, not just taking it, you know, day by day or month by month, knowing where you want to be by the end of the year, setting sales goals, setting quarterly goals, thinking about taxes, thinking about saving money. All of these things have to be thought about even in the very beginning stages. I had a balance. I paid attention to some of these things in the beginning and some of them more towards, you know, scaling, realizing, oh, wow, I really have to start looking at, you know, like a company. And I am really even getting into the habit of calling the company a company rather than just my business, because the truth is I'm growing and I have an entire team behind me now. So it's no longer just about me. And, you know, the, it's really turning into the mission and everyone working together to make that mission possible. And now I have a team of six, which is insane. So the biggest thing at this level for me was realizing that I did not have proper systems or SOPs in place because obviously I'm very flowy. I like to kind of work in that alignment place, but there's a balance. And this is something that I've been talking with a lot of my clients lately is balancing that flow, but also making sure that you are being that CEO that your company needs, whether you have a team right now or not, it doesn't matter if you are a solopreneur, the vision is to have a team. The vision is to get support. So you 
want to set yourself up even in the beginning to get that support. So when I was first hiring my few first few team members, which has really been in the last couple of months, it was a lot of scrambling because I had not documented any process in the business. Everything was just kind of you know, it had it shell a way that like things kind of did, but it was all in here. Nothing was on paper. So when I hired my VA, for example, I had to spend a whole weekend making links, documents, videos, training assets so they could come in and be set up for success. And that's something that I wish I would have done in the last six to 12 months, just doing it as you're doing it. So when I was doing all the tasks that I offloaded onto her, I could have been recording it. I could have been making SOPs. I could have been forward thinking of, I know I'm going to hire a team. So let me create the infrastructure to bring in a team member and set them up for success. And that will look different for every different position that you um, hire out. But when we're talking about building that foundation, you're going to need support. You are going to come at a crossroad and you're going to need support and you are going to need systems and SOPs and an infrastructure to set your team up for success. Because a big part of what you'll learn as you scale is it is so much about CEO and leadership rather than the nitty gritty thing. So you have to be the top person in your company thinking about where things are going, what's coming up in the next year, what you want your business to look like a year from now, the different pieces of support that you're going to get. And it's really hard to think about all of those things if you don't have those support systems in place. So it's really about being intentional even before you have a team. I'm telling you guys, really the last couple months have just been scrambling, trying to set the team up for success because that's another thing that you're going to reach. You're going to be at a point where you're growing and you need support, but you can't compromise your leadership or your team culture just because you didn't have the pieces set up. So when we were hiring our team, thank God I have an online business manager right now and she's really like the puppeteer behind all of this. But what I was running into and we caught it before it was like too late because obviously we just are onboarding still all of our team members. We have our first like official team call on Thursday. But one thing that I was really, really um, focused on was setting the team up for success. I have been in a team before where I kind of went in and I didn't have anything I needed. I had a lot of questions. It was really unsure. I think that's the worst thing you can do as a leader. But again, it's like, we're just starting this conversation of how do you balance being in that leadership role and making sure you're setting up your team for success while also being the visionary and making sure that you have all the other pieces moving along the way. So I've been learning a shit ton about that lately and it's very empowering to have the team now and I'm really excited for what it teaches me that I can teach you guys but automatically just in this first month of this evolution and growth that the company is having I'm already looking back and like mm, I could have done this I could have done that I could have done that so now I want you guys to take this and really take it to heart even if it's scheduling your social media you know pick a day out of the week where you're doing it and take a quick video and pop it somewhere. It doesn't matter if it gets dusty on a virtual shelf for a couple of months. When you get to the point where you're like, ah, I know I need support. You can just bring someone in, set them up for success. And you already have that leadership infrastructure built out. So treating your business like a business from the beginning. A lot of people are like, I'll think about that when I make money. I'll think about that when I get to this point after I've been in business for X amount, then we can talk about that. Then I'll put my attention towards that. Then I'll plan for that. And, uh, you know, at that point, it really is treating your business like a hobby. If you think it's going to happen, if you think you're going to grow and you really believe that and that's what you want, you're going to kind of reverse engineer to make sure you're setting yourself up for success. Nobody is 
going to grow into the level that they want if they're not planning and taking action for it now. Because a big joke about entrepreneurship is like you're building the bridge as you cross it. And that's true. So you don't want to get to a point where you are so, you know, ahead and walking over the bridge that has no foundation. You have to kind of be working always one step ahead and building that foundation as you go, regardless at whatever level you're at. So I want you guys to start to think about this and think about your business and what that looks like. What do you want your company to look like? How involved do you want to be in all of the things? What do you want your main priorities to be? What is going to allow you to stay in your zone of genius and what's the vision? So for me, I knew that I wanted like a team of go-getters. I didn't necessarily want like a bunch of freelancers here and there. I wanted a team community because I believe if people care about your mission, they, they just are way more passionate about the work they're doing. So I wanted to bring together people who cared about the mission and you have to get clear on what that mission is and going back to brand identity. Like our mission is to help as many people make as much money online as possible to help more women and establish more time freedom, money freedom, security, and everyone that works on the team believes in that mission. So it's also about creating that unity from the very beginning because community is what builds loyalty. So I've had, you know, team members on my team now who watched me for a really long time before I was at the point to hire who were like, I love what you do. I care about your mission. I'm already invested in what you're doing. So if you know that you want to create like an internal team unless it, or if you know you want to hire contractors or you know what I mean however you want to build that and what you see that looking like so when I was going through this the first thing I had to do was dump out all of the things that I'm doing in my business so a lot of you guys that's going to be everything and um, a lot of my solopreneurs I've tried to bring them through this exercise before and they're like I'm not going to write down everything because I just do everything but it's really important to write down everything so you can identify what's taking the most of your time maybe the tasks that you don't like doing are going to be the first ones that you outsource and just getting a really good grip on what what it takes for your business to function when I hired my VA the first thing that came up for me was like man I know I have so much that I could give her I'm just not sure what because there's so many things so I want to encourage all of you guys to write down a list of everything that you are responsible for in the day-to-day -day. write down how long it takes you just really document your week take one week and document it all and then start to categorize it so if I had a content person, they could take these lists. If I had this kind of person, they can take this kind of task. And it's also about getting clear on you know, who do you want to be responsible for that middleman as you grow. So for example, we um, strayed away from hiring just a graphic designer and we actually went a step beyond that and hired a creative director. So yes, she's going to be responsible for the designs and the opt-ins, but she's also going to be at a higher level helping us brainstorm and collaborative the vision and the visual stuff for every launch as we're planning the strategy because I knew when I was growing a team, I wanted people really involved. I wanted that collaborative effort. I wanted people in their zone of genius to come in and mesh with my zone of genius so we can create magic and I think that again it starts really early on with establishing what that vision is even if it feels far away even if you're like Taylor I probably can't hire a team for at least six months maybe next year still think about it today and we can talk next year or six months from now and you can thank me later because this is really going to help you set yourself up for success, set your future team up for success and help you grow faster. Because when you are building that bridge, you can continue to walk across it rather than continue to grow and then have to like revert and build the bridge behind you. It, it just becomes a clusterfuck and a mess. And I don't want you guys to get into that kind of position. 
Um, thank you guys. Thank you for all the congratulations. It's, you know me, I'm very emotional, um, which is something else actually we're going to talk about today because I'm like highly sensitive, highly empathetic, full of emotions, very flowy. Um, and I want to talk about kind of the challenges that I've faced in business and as a leader, because that's just my natural state. And I know a lot of my clients, that's their natural state too. So we'll talk about that. Ellie says, in what order did you hire support? So the first person I hired was my assistant to take off the tasks that are very, very generalized. So you're going to have specialized things like maybe your content strategy or Facebook ads, graphics, stuff like that. That's specialized. There were things that were taking me a long time that I knew I had to get out of that I could essentially teach anybody. And that's what I did. I actually hired one of my friends who's in grad school who had no experience. And because the tasks are so simple and so generalized, I could make a quick video for everything and essentially train anybody to do it. So I hired a virtual assistant to do things like manage the support email. So if I get any one nasty emails or customer service requests or a client request, that has to be streamlined. I have to get out of the back end of the inbox. That does not serve my business. Instagram engagement, making sure that we're engaging with different brands and different people all the time, 24 seven, not in the DMs. I will not let go of my DMs nor my content, but when it comes to growing the account, that was something that was outsourced. Content banking, metric tracking, the things that allowed me to see at a higher level, because that was also a very, very big disconnect was I need a high level glance of everything going on in the business. I need a high level glance of what's doing well. I want to track this more closely. I want to be able to look at this tighter. And I myself could not physically facilitate that infrastructure and back end and moving pieces to give myself the information I needed to grow. So the virtual assistant was number one. What was interesting is I had a lot of these people doing different projects before I decided to get them on like a month to month retainer. So like my copywriter, for example, Lauren, I would hire her to do my emails or to do my sales page, but I decided to hire her on retainer and pay her X amount a month for her to integrate into the team. So Lauren is the copywriter. I hired her last year because I wanted to play around with outsourcing. So I hired her on project to project before I hired a VA. I had a designer on a project to project basis that I parted ways with. We now hired the creative director for us. It was like literally the last two weeks we've been hiring. Um, so we like had the VA, I hired a business manager and that was like the missing piece because the business manager will delegate all the things. They will make sure like quality control, team management, team communication, due dates, all the moving pieces that you will not physically be able to watch and um, take care of. You just can't do it. It will be very hard. I knew I wanted an online business manager, but I knew before I had a team in place, it didn't make sense because what was she going to manage? Me? I don't need someone to manage me. I need someone to manage the entire business and to take the vision and bring them and break it into concepts and tasks and then delegate it out and see it through. So I decided, okay, we're going to bring on a graphics person. I'm going to hire my copywriter on retainer. I have my Facebook ads manager, my podcast producer, and then the business manager. So now she's going to go in and set each department up for success. If we have, you know, graphic guidelines, we have to start to put something together so the graphic person can come in get a task, obviously get some feedback. We're going to work with her and train her, but we can't have her going in blind and be like, Hey, make this thing for our established brand. Cause she's going to be set up for success. We're going to be paying her more for all of the revisions. It's going to be frustrating. She's going to feel like she's not doing a good job and it's not setting anyone up for success. And that's what I always
always go back to is like, are you setting your team up for success? Are you setting your clients up for success with the programs you have? Are you setting yourself up for success with the way you prioritize your team and time management and delegation? So really leaning into treating your business like it is a full-blown company. I have a few other notes before I talk about the kind of sensitive stuff, but I want to go into that since it was coming up here. I am super super like I I don't I don't know if I would say like highly sensitive but like I'm emotionally driven I feel things really really deeply I'm very sensitive to energy and things like that so as I was growing my business there were quite a couple things that came up in this department boundaries for sure like you really have to protect your energy and that those emotions because it's really easy to ride the roller coaster and get emotionally invested in the business but I always go back to this example and this is a conversation I have with my clients pretty much on the weekly because a lot of my clients are similar in that way in personality And I had to go back to, okay, let me think about the CEO of Target. Like, let me think about the CEO of Amazon. Let me think about the CEO of TJ Maxx. If they were having a bad day or like they got a piece of hate mail or they felt triggered or something, they would not make a decision based off of that entire company on emotion. So even though it's important to honor yourself and give yourself that space. You have to also, again, set up your company in a way that's going to set you up for success, meaning you have to be able to separate, for example, like CEO Taylor from identifying as like empath sensitive Taylor because sensitive, emotionally driven, emotionally charged Taylor, I cannot make decisions from that place for my business. It's going to hurt everyone involved. It puts my clients at risk. It puts my growth at risk. It puts my team at risk. It is not going to help anyone. It puts my reputation at risk. I have to separate those two identities and that can be really, really hard, especially if you have an unhappy client, someone who wants to We have a program, someone who is having an issue with their payment, someone who maybe comments on one of your posts or, uh, you know, responds to one of your emails or something like that. If you're always in that place of being emotionally charged because you're usually very connected to your emotions like that, it is going to cause a lot of turmoil in your business. So for me, it's been an amazing lesson at a like very human level, setting business aside to give myself the space to come down from being emotionally charged, to run my business like a CEO, to make decisions based off of data and intuition rather than sensitivity and emotions. And that is challenging to do. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I will also say that if I did make those decisions, again, from that emotional state, it wouldn't work well on anyone. I'm not freaking perfect. Are you kidding me? I had so many issues actually come up in the business last week that I had to take a step back, which is hard because I'm also very... um Like, I like to talk it out. Like, if I read something or get that kind of message, for me, I've never been the kind of person that is like, I'm going to sleep on it. Like, I want to hash it out. I want to talk it out. So being able to discipline myself to step away, to filter those things as much as possible. Like, that's why for my VA, I got out of the support inbox. Like, if someone's offended by me saying fuck in an email, like, I've gotten emails that are like, you are so offensive. I don't need to see that. That can be deleted and streamlined. And that is not something that I need on my forefront. It's just going to distract me and take me out of my zone. So it's also, again, going back to this key, key concept of setting yourself up for success and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and kind of building your team and your structure about that. So like, I don't want to be in the support inbox. If there's hate mail, I don't need to know about it. It's not going to serve me at all. 
Okay, Becca says, this is so what I needed to hear. I think it's challenging to separate the different aspects. Yeah, and especially because another part of the message that I preach is your personal brand is personal, so make it personal. But you also have to straddle that of, of being a leader and making sure that you're coming from that place. So last week, I had partnered with this agency I was working at, and I ended up getting really ripped off and was very unhappy with like the quality and what I paid and the partnership and the communication. And a lot of what went wrong fell on that other company that we were working with and they were not taking accountability for it. So like my automatic place to go, because again, I'm like that like sensitive, energetic person is, well, I wouldn't handle my business like that. Like I would have been more apologetic. I would have done this. I would have done this. That's coming from an emotional place. Like I can't have that conversation with her coming from that place, right? So I had to take a step back. I had to sleep on it. I talked to my business manager. Like I got another insight. I looked at the data. I looked at the numbers and I looked at collateral. Like, is it worth it to even get into this conversation or is it better to just cleanly end this partnership and relationship and we have a backup plan and we know what the next step is? And that's what we did. I didn't want to go back and forth with her. I'm not going to attack her business model. I'm not going to attack the way that... She, you know, works with her clients. It's not my business. It's not an aligned fit for me. That conversation wouldn't have been beneficial for either one of us. I gave her some healthy feedback of like, hey, I just want you to know this is why we're making the decision. But it was very clean. It was very kind. It was very respectful. And we moved on and we moved our separate ways. And that's just an example of how you can handle things and be like, well, fuck you. You know, you get mad. Your business is your baby. So I also like, I'm not going to paint a picture that you're not going to have those feelings, especially as you outsource. If you guys are type A like me and you have a little bit of a hard time letting go of the reins, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for quality control if something isn't how you love it the first time around. And the biggest like thing I want to preach to you is just patience in that growth stage. You have to train your team to do what you know what you want them to do. You have to train them to think how you think. Nobody is perfect and the more you invest in your team, the more they're going to invest in you. So also just being clear on like do you want to work with agencies? Do you want to work with partnerships? Do you want to have freelancers come in or do you want to create the team environment and have people that you are like responsible for? And that's a total preference. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's just having that concept and that vision. So definitely setting boundaries. Another big thing that I've learned in scaling mode, and this goes back to sen like sensitivity, is I always want to do people favors. I always want to make my programs accessible. If I'm in the DMs and someone's asking me for an extended payment plan, from, you know, at this point I've done it because I'm like, I don't care. I, I want to make it accessible. I want to help them. I know I can get them results and not every time, but I will say like, that's hurt my business. I've had people take the extended payment plan and then like drop out of the extended payment plan or like they're so far in debt with me for one program that they can't sign up for another program. So we just had a team meeting where we were like, okay, even though I don't want to say no and I feel bad saying no, because that's like, who I am, CEO Taylor has to also make smart decisions for the business. And it's not fair for CEO Taylor or Coach Taylor to deliver coaching, to deliver programs, to deliver materials, and then not be compensated for it. So it's also making sure that your business is still profitable and still doing what it's supposed to be doing and that you're still getting 
paid what you're worth and what your value is. And that's like a thing people have a hard time with too. They're like, well, I want to help someone. So I'm going to discredit my value, but go back to the CEO of Amazon, CEO of Target. It's like, you know, if someone really wants the Keurig from Target, Target is not going to make them an extended payment plan and let them take it home and hope for the best, right? They're, they're going to be like, uh, what? They, they wouldn't even consider that. So we just made like a really difficult, honestly, decision because this is something I'm very passionate about is accessibility and working with me, but we're no longer going to be extending payment plans beyond coaching containers. If it's a six month mastermind, it's a six month payment plan, not a seven month, not an eight month, not a 10 month, not a 12 month. And even though I know that, you know, it's partially it sucks because like I want to just give all the payment plans. It's going back to forward thinking of the business and making sure that the, and it creates a mess. Like when when you do get into that, it creates a mess. So that's a conversation I've been having with my clients is how do you separate and tell the difference between your intuition of CEO and your emotions from personal you? Have you heard the news? I have a brand new program just for female entrepreneurs who are looking to scale to 5K cash months with ease. The CEO Mini Mind is open for enrollment and it's a 90 day accelerator for women entrepreneurs who want the clarity, community, and strategy to grow their business like crazy. You can check out all the details at taylorslango.com slash CEO Mini Mind. So my intuition for CEO is like things that feel really good. So like if I'm feeling intuitive about even firing a client, if it feels really good, I know it's coming from an aligned place. If I want to, you know, send a really nasty message to someone who did something wrong or whatever, like if it doesn't feel good, I know it's an emotionally charged place. And that's kind of how I tell intuition feels really good. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's coming from a really good and excited place if you're emotionally charged or sensitive or even like offended, cause that's going to happen too. Like you're going to just be like, my programs are my baby. You know what I mean? You're going to get offended. Any of that, like emotion, negatively emotionally charged feelings that come up are definitely more like personal driven than intuitive driven. Does that make sense, Becca? That would be like the best way to describe it for me is one feels really good. And one feels really fucking bad. <laughs> um, Okay, I've seen that a lot in my business. People spend their money on what they truly want. I've watched people spend their money on other things, and that's okay, but shows me that I don't need to discount because that isn't an issue. Yeah, even this morning I was talking to one of my friends, and I was like, it's also realizing, like, you get to choose who you work with. And I came, I was telling my friend this today, like, if you can't afford that package, that package isn't for you. There's going to be this stretch of this investment feels kind of crazy, but I'm going to do it because I know it's going to work because investments usually don't feel like great. They will stretch you. But if you're like, I'm signing up for this and I have no fucking idea how I'm going to pay the next 10 months payments. That's not fair. That's not fair. You're not an ideal client for that program for that. You know, whoever's hosting it, that's not your ideal client for that program. You can offer something lower level. That's why we're having a product suite is so important. That's the next thing we're going to talk about. This is a jam packed fucking live stream. You guys, holy shit. This is definitely getting turned into a podcast episode because there is a lot in here that I want to talk about. And it's so funny because when I have my sticky notes of notes, it's like five words, but I know the concepts that I want to go deeper on. So they end up being <laughs> so much longer. Becca says, that makes a lot of sense. I think I get confused because I do try to separate the two, but sometimes I'm afraid I'm going off emotion because it feels good, but I know I need to trust myself. Yeah. Like if it feels good, that is your intuition. And like, there's also a balance of 
data because like also the CEO of Target isn't going to solely make the decision on intuition, but usually it's just overall intuitive knowing. And it's after looking at the numbers and looking at past experiences and looking at other components in your business, depending on what kind of decision it is. If it's a team related decision, that's going to require a different cap of thinking that is more leadership and team development based. If it is a client situation that is going to have to be like, you know, whether that's like financial or experience wise or whatever it is, they're, they're going to require different pieces of you. And I think that's why entrepreneurs get really overwhelmed when they're scaling because they don't prepare for that. And then they're just like bombarded with, oh my God, like I have to balance all these things and juggle all these things. And then once you get to that point, a week, two weeks, a month into that, fucking burnout central. So let's start this conversation early, right? And just knowing like, it's okay to make decisions for your business. Me deciding to not offer extended payment plans is in no way, shape or form coming from a place of, I don't want to help my audience. I know it might make things difficult for some of them. It might frustrate some of them, especially like if you're used to working with me in extended plan, but it's also where the company is headed and you have to balance that. Me being setting boundaries about making sure I'm getting paid what the program is worth is is fair, you know? So it's really, again, making sure you have CEO brain, you have emotional brain, and not taking things personally either. Like when I do get hate email or if I do have a client that is like, look, I, I cannot afford this program, I'm not in the game to get in email fights and like defend myself to you if I offended you I'm so sorry bless and release and I genuinely hope you find someone who like vibes with you well and I will always be here if you want to come back you know I've had clients who have gotten in the, you know in really unfortunate spots and I'm not in the game to take your money to take your money so I've broken contract in the legal things that I have in place to accommodate and it's just going back to like if you make one accommodation, you have to make it for multiple. And it's easier to set that boundary early on to say no accommodations like this is the business. And then just going back to like the Keurig, like Target is not going to give you an extended plan to take that Keurig home in good faith. So yeah, all of those things. It's a really, really healthy and important conversation, honestly, for all of us to hear. Okay, so let's talk about product suite because this is a huge fucking part of scaling is having a really intentional product suite. If I have someone in my mastermind or a higher level that is like wanting to join that and is like, I can't swing that. I don't know if I could do it. I don't want to sell that person into that program and create a potential headache later. I want to offer them something that makes more sense for where they're at. So even if it is a stretch, I we both go into that relationship knowing that the payment is at a good price, the content is going to help them, and you both feel really good about the working relationship. So you guys have seen that picture, I'm sure, floating around of my customer experience God, that has been months and months and months in the making. The graphic didn't take long, but the development of which offer goes where and which offer does what and does that offer really do that thing and are people really going from that offer to that offer the way we intended it. That takes trial and error. That takes launching your programs, having people go through your programs, um, people giving you feedback on your programs. <laughs> so all of those things really, really come into place. And that's why having a product suite is important to have that low level, that mid level, that high level. And then you'll have something that's just an isolated transformation that 
it isn't necessarily like in your product suite, but it's something that you can still sell and you can still offer. So having that ready for your clients as they grow with you is going to be really, really important. Um, product suite, mastering sales, knowing your launch plan and knowing how to launch those three things. I could not have grown my business without having those three, three things in place. Hands down. My first full year, like my first calendar year in business was 2019. Um, I started late 2018 and 2019 was my first six figure year. And that is because I spent that like six month time really thinking about the different levels of offers and putting a lot of thought and not rushing it and also allowing myself to evolve and grow and have those offers really be re-looked at, but you cannot build that six-figure business without knowing how to sell and launch. If I just tried to sell the same offer every other month that first year of business, I would have flopped because you can only go so far in a $4.97 price point or a $97 price point. Um, you're going to obviously sell higher volume at the lower price point, but if you have these big goals, you're going to have to have more diversity. You're going to have to have a higher level or a mastermind or a group program or something more premium, a premium done for you service, whatever that looks like for you. But you want people at every range because one, you're going to serve more people that way. And two, that's how you're going to reach your goals. So Dream Client Accelerator, that is like the entry level program it's the 497 program I don't know if I would have hit six figures trying to just sell that program over and over again I can actually say confidently I, I wouldn't because the payment plans were only three months by the time I would start launching it the payments would have wrapped up there would be no reoccurring and no stacking and that's why diversity really matters so I have dream client accelerator people will pay for that for three months well what comes after that if you are in five-figure flow that's a 10-month payment plan those are stacking for 10 months if it is bi-weekly it's those are stacking for four months. If you're in my partnership, that is stacking for 12 months. If you are in my um, mastermind, that's stacking for six months. So you have to have these different levels in order to scale. It is absolutely essential. Um, with the partnership, that is the... $25,000 program that we're launching. You guys have heard me tease about it. Once five figure flow winds down, I'm really going to like dive into what, what it is and where it came from briefly because it's almost full. But for example, that's a 25K program room for five people. So I, I'm at a six figure year if I just sell out that program. Um, if it was, again, the 497, it's like, well, how many units would you have to sell in order to make $100,000 in sales? And those payment plans wouldn't carry you through. So you have to make sure that there's really, really that overlap for that monthly reoccurring revenue. And I, I say it confidently, sales and launching is a prerequisite to six figures and multiple six figures. It, it is the heart of my business financially. It is what carries the business, but it's also what carries the brand. Every time we launch, we get more clients, we get more people connecting with the brand, we get more people in this Facebook group. And that the, the longevity of that matters, because even if you know you don't enroll during a certain launch, we still are so happy to have you here and we're still growing that mission in that community regardless. Helen says I'm struggling to figure out what the lower price point and higher price point is to use the new beta strategy. Well, it's like the thing is though, Helen, it's not your job to figure out them all at once. I would focus on building one offer and if you want to go for a low level or a high level first, go for it, launch it, perfect it, look at it, see it, you know, where it falls and then build around that. <clears throat> 
So my first launch was the CEO mastermind when I went into business coaching. That was high level at the time. Now it's mid-level because I've grown. So I would just say work on establishing one offer and build your product suite out over time. It's not something that you do like all in one. Evangelina says, this weekend I had a realization. I'm thankful that I now get to establish my online presence with Taylor. Yay! That's amazing. Amazing. Okay, cool. I feel like I need to establish a one-year plan. It's it's also a balance, guys, because like a year ago, I didn't know all of my product suite. And I tell you that story about how I thought I did and I mapped out all these offers and didn't end up selling them. Go into hustle planning mode because if you plan that far out ahead and it's without launching or going through the programs, it's going to change. And honestly, um, like tough love, it is such a fucking waste of time. <laughs> Plan the next three months, especially if you are building that foundation, knowing the next three months is big, but, you know, go in those increments of planning quarter by quarter rather than planning now to the end of the year, because things are going to change and it's just not a good use of your energy. Focus that energy and attention on taking action, on getting clarity, on launching one program you love. And then it's about knowing the natural next step. It's not about just laying a product suite out to have one. It's about, is this positioned in the best, most efficient way possible where my clients are going to be ready for the next step and next step and next step. And that is something that takes thinking, um, like a higher level view. It's partly an intuitive process. You guys know that I recently closed down my membership. That was a really, really hard decision to make. I thought that that was the entry point into my product suite and it just wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And I had to be really honest about that. And I had a lot of members that were like, but it's so great. And I believe that it was helping them grow their business, but I don't believe it was helping them, you know, of the big, bold promise of you are going to be at X amount of income in X amount of time. It just wasn't setting them up for that success. And it got replaced with DCA. So it's also, again, going back to that evolution and making sure that you're letting things grow for you. So launching sales planning, knowing what you're working towards in the next three months, because again, if we, if we go back to that launch cycle, you're going to be starting for your next launch as you're winding down your current launch. So for five figure flow, the cart is closing this week. You are not going to hear me talk about five figure flow for at least another year, which is crazy. But then we'll go into our next launch and we're already working behind the scenes on what that is, even though we still have like four ish weeks until we're heavy into that launch. And I also already know what's coming after that. Right now I know what we're doing through the end of July and that's enough. And as we go into the next launch, I'll figure out August, September, November, we'll be in a, in a different time. So it's all about really adapting too. And when you can sit in the CEO seat and have that support and be at that high level and be emotionally detached, it's much easier for you to pivot and to adapt and to make smart decisions for your business. Because as much as we love to plan, it's not always the most possible thing. And sometimes we do have to make changes and that's okay. As long as we're setting ourselves up for success in doing that. Evangelina says, my goal is 100K a year and I'm not limiting when I get it. It feels good and I think I can hit it soon. Yeah, totally. And there's a balance too of like, I'm going to detach from the goal, which is like your intuitive personal side of versus like, but we also have to like make a plan. We have to have a sales plan. We have to have a launch plan. We have to actually be like setting ourselves up to make that money, not just like hoping it comes and that's the dream and we'll get there somehow. It's about tracking those numbers and looking at quarter one and are you on track and quarter two and what do you need to do and month to month and looking at those metrics is so, so important. So there's a balance of like being detached from the energetic minimum of this is what I want to receive 
receive and then also pairing that with action of like and this is how I'm going to get it and this is what I'm going to sell and this is how many and then letting that fall into place so for example um we're going for over half a million this year stretch goal is like 750,000 we don't take it quarter by quarter because our launches are so different. So it's not something that I look at and go um, like halfway through the year. If I'm not there, it's shot. It's like I can, what are the launches? What are the biggest launches and how much can we project to come in? Does that make sense? So like that's how I'm a little bit more loose with tracking my numbers for sure. Okay. And then I think the last thing that I want to talk about that I think I, I touched on pretty heavily was just delegation and that, that learning curve process of being patient with your people, finding people who really believe in what you do, investing into leadership. Like I am looking at all the leadership books right now. I'm looking to really excel and be someone that people enjoy working for, enjoy collaborating with. They want to stay on the team. And it's about prioritizing what's important to you in your business. I have some clients that are like, I do not want a fucking team. That sounds like a nightmare. That's fine. Like you can work with contractors and freelancers and just get the support that you need without the leadership pressure. And again, it's just going off of what you want and what feels good to you. So this was like a huge brain dump on building this foundation, but I really believe that these are the moving parts and pieces to it. And you'll notice that I didn't say you have to have Kajabi. I didn't say that you have to have an evergreen webinar. I didn't say that you can only sell low ticket or high ticket. And a lot of people focus on the wrong things when they're trying to build that foundation. And the things that you should be focusing on is the bigger vision your client experience? Are your offers doing what they say they're going to do? Are you planning? Do you have the systems in place to support the growth and the clients that you want to take? And all of those moving pieces. Example for the partnership, the profitable partnership. That is such a beast of a program. <laughs> like when I show you guys, you're going to be like, holy fucking shit, I've never seen anything like this. It's essentially like an integration of a partnership where I'm getting constant reports and data on what's going on inside of your business. So I can make decisions for the next month of the group of like, okay, so-and-so, so-and-so is here, their profit dropped or their profit increased, or we need to work on this and we can make those pivots. I could not do that if I didn't hire support. That is going to be so hands-on with group calls, one-on-one -on -one calls, Foxer access, reporting, um, audits, all things like that. I could not also put together the data and collect the information and making sure everyone's filling those reports out. So I had to prepare the infrastructure in order to support the clients for the vision I had. So that's why I hired my online business manager because I knew that she could own that piece of it so I could stay in my lane and make it what it is. I did not want to launch it half-ass. I didn't want to create it and then not be able to deliver the vision I had for it. So again, it's also asking yourself like what support is going to set me up for success to do this thing or to execute execute that vision or whatever that is. Carlin, hi girl. Okay, she says, amazing insights. Love your commitment to leading with alignment. Dare to lead. Oh, I would love to read that. Yes. Okay, cool. We have um like our membership through our local library. I can get like so many audiobooks for free. Like almost everyone is on there just for having the library card, which I think is so cool. I think it's called Hoopla. So I don't know if you guys like have that too, but that was a resource I didn't know about. And I was spending so much money on books. And sometimes I do like the paper copy, but I love having the free audios for like working out and stuff. So that's just like a side note. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys have questions, drop them in. I will hang out for a couple more minutes. Um, I have another training I'm doing today for the 
membership that is all about um, evergreen funnels. And I put together those slides today and I'm just so excited to teach that. But I also want to talk about five figure flow because if, if these conversations excite you guys and you really want to be forward thinking and set yourself up for success and build a back end that will support the front end business growth, five figure flow is such a great place to start, especially if you aren't making that consistent amount of money or you're making money, but you are so burnt out and you know that you need support in different places. This is the entry point. Let me relay it out. I went over this a little bit on my Instagram stories, but the highest way to work with me is in that profitable partnership container. So for me, I hold that vision for every single one of my clients, whether you want to continue with me or not, that's the vision that I hold for you. And I want to work with you guys all the way through the end always. So whether you start in here or you're in the membership or you're in DCA or you join the CEO mastermind, the goal is to work you up to that point where I can no longer be, you know, it's like coach to coachy, but it's more like I am your partner. I'm integrated. I don't necessarily need to teach you the how and the tactics, but we need to strategize. We need to brainstorm. We need to vision plan. We need to make sure that all the other moving pieces are involved. And when you are scaling the high level, that's what you need to grow. It's no longer like I need this training or I need this resource. It's I need someone else's brain space to be invested in my business. And that's what the partnership is. So the step before that is the CEO mastermind. That's my six month mastermind for entrepreneurs looking to scale to six figures. And the step before that is five figure flow. So if you know that you want to join that mastermind or, you know, be in the wheelhouse for that partnership coming up, this is the place to start. And you can always obviously jump in at whatever level, but I think it's important to paint that picture for you guys because people do move up this value ladder in exactly the way it was intended to. People from Five Figure Flow went to the CEO Mastermind. The CEO Mastermind ends in June. I have people going from the CEO Mastermind into the partnership. That's a sign that it's doing the things that it needs to do. And that's what I pride my coaching experience in is like we hold the next step for you. We hold space for the big vision. Obviously, if someone joins DCA or like they're not making their money in their business yet, it's hard for them to see, well, what about when I'm scaling to half a million? That seems so distant. And that's not like that's not your responsibility to think about when you're working with a mentor. I want to have that prepared for you. You can dive in if it feels good or you cannot if it feels good too. And either way, it's fine. But that's my responsibility as a mentor to not just think about now, but to think about next steps. And that's what being a good CEO is. And that's what being a good leader is. So it's about taking those qualities and sprinkling them into the different areas of your business that you do. So this is a big overview conversation of things we're going to talk about way more nitty gritty inside five figure flow, especially, especially with it being a group coaching program where you can get this feedback, where we can work through your product suite, where we can talk about like the tasks that are taking you the most time, especially when it comes to launching and selling and what are the money making activities and how do we make sure that you have the time to do those things. So it's such a comprehensive program. It's such a smart move when you're looking to scale to that level because, again, without launching and sales planning and knowing those inside and out and feeling really good about them, it's going to be really hard for you to reach that income level because you're just going to be having these pop-up loose offers and it's going to feel all over the place and very unpredictable. And that is not the place that anyone wants to be in their business. People want to feel secure. They want to have predictability. They want to have um, reoccurring revenue. That's the goal. And launching allows that. Launching, you guys know. I know I don't have to beat the dead horse on that one, but yeah, it's definitely 
definitely the entry level program when you're looking to reach that foundation. Do five figure flow calls address branding? So the coaching calls are to address whatever the fuck you guys need addressed. It's not like we're only going to talk on call one about mindset. Like I'm going to have a form for you to fill out your questions. We're going to go through as many as possible on the call and then just go into hot seat coaching. So if you have a question about branding, about hiring, about launching, about sales, about marketing, about mindset, you guys are really going to be leading those calls. So you'll get more information, Helen. Um, I'm making the calendar this week and we're going to get that all sent out out for you guys so you know what to expect but we will totally jam on branding if that's something you want to talk about okay nina says from just halfway through the course material i can see what i've been doing wrong and how much easier it can be and i was making consistent income before but now i can see even more yeah for sure it's just about streamlining making it easier so you can stay in your lane and so you can make more money and build that predictability which is so big and you guys launching does something for visibility that people don't even pay attention to because people are like launching i'm gonna make money it's like a sales activity it's also a huge marketing activity our brand has so many new eyes on it from five figure flow regardless of if people are purchasing or not like our sales page has over 3,000 views on it. That's insane. Not 3,000 people are going to buy, obviously. Um, but like the traffic that we have going because of the launch, because of the hype, because we're everywhere, because of this visibility, that helps you grow too. Julia says, what do you think about five-figure flow for a beginner? Will it help a lot? Well, Julia, you're in DCA, so that next natural step is five-figure flow. And I've had multiple clients start in five-figure flow and now have six-figure businesses literally a year later. So that's why I say it's a tool that grows with you. If you are listening to this and you're not making any money, don't be afraid. But I would say you have to have a vision of what you want to sell and who you have to, who you want to sell to. Doesn't need to be perfect. Um, but cause we're going to refine it. But if you're coming in and you're like, I literally have no idea what my brand is. I have no idea what content is. I have no, like, if you are like really struggling in those departments, DCA is going to help you a little bit more. Likewise, if you are listening to this and you are making good money, this is also going to prepare prepare you to scale because it's going to have evergreen trainings, which I'm updating today. You guys are going to get that evergreen training, Facebook ads course, marketing, all of that stuff to help you grow your visibility when you get to that point. So it is very, very comprehensive. I will tell you that at the bare minimum. Um, and just a reminder, it doesn't open again until next year. So the doors close on Friday. I'm pretty emotional about it. I'm like not ready to pack away this program till next year, but I'm also really excited to start with the students. I think we have 23 members now, which is going to be amazing. The networking community is also priceless because there's so much collaboration, extra visibility there. And I just want to really encourage everyone who's signs up like make the most of the community make the most of the networking the girls are brainstorming in slack and starting to get to know each other there that's amazing that's exactly what it's there for and it's going to be a really awesome program so if you guys have questions know that the time is running out doors close on friday no exceptions back to boundaries but let me know if you have questions this was an awesome live stream. I will see you guys on Wednesday for some hot seat coaching and then make sure you mark your calendars for Friday for our girls night. Okay. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. That's a wrap. If you loved this episode, be sure to screenshot it, post it on your Instagram story and tag me to stay up to date on all things aligned and ambitious. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. And I'm always so grateful when you leave a review. 
New episodes drop every single Monday. And during the in-between, you can find me hanging out on Instagram. So I hope to connect with you over there and I'll see you next week.